question for you, and here it is. How will you be different this time next year? How are you going to be different? Yeah, besides older. But how are you going to be different? And think about that for a moment. How is it that you're going to be different at this time next year? How are you going to be different on December 31st of next year? Think, so for some people, it's like, wait, I, I don't know if I can think that far in the future. But, but, but do that for a moment. How is it that you're going to be di- different? Because in, during the new year, um, th- it seems like this is a perfect opportunity to both think ahead and to think backwards. It's one of the reasons why we did communion today is because you get a chance to do that. But if you think about it, <clears throat> this is an opportunity to kind of reflect um, on what's happened in 2017. And you, you've got basically one of two choices. You can either celebrate what happened in 2017 or you can try to forget what happened in 2017. And for the vast majority of us, it's a little bit of both, isn't it? There are some things that we're very excited about and some things that we're like, yeah, I would really like to not remember that one. And maybe you've had some health issues or maybe you've had some relationship issues or maybe you've had some work issues or maybe it's been all of those things together and, and you're coming up to this new year and you're going, I'm so glad to see 2017 go and I'm welcoming 2018. And it's a mixture of both for all of us. But this is that time of year where we, we reflect on that. And for me, I used to dread New Year's Eve. Um, just because there was a part of me that's like, oh, there was so much I wanted to do and I didn't get it done. And so there was a bit of a lamenting. And now I look forward to it. I look forward to the new year because... Uh, it's a fresh start. It's a chance once again to take a deep breath and say, all right, let's, let's go, go for it. I've stopped doing New Year's resolutions, and I've started to say, okay, I got some things that I want to accomplish next year. It's not I'm being resolved, but I'm actually trying to put some strategies in place to get some things done. And I want to live with a certain amount of purpose in my own life. And I suspect that most of us, most of us do. And I want to live with a purpose, especially in my relationship with God. Especially in my relationship with God. Because have you considered this? Have you considered this possibility? Here it is. God wants you to grow to be like Jesus. There there is this notion in the church that we all understand, I think, this idea of discipleship. This idea that, yes, we're supposed to grow, but have we considered the fact or the possibility that God himself may want us to grow? Think about that for a moment, that if he does want us to grow, that he might have some ideas on how to do that. Just a novel thought. I think sometimes, for me, I forget the fact that God wants some things. God wants to answer certain types of prayer. Maybe we ought to figure out what those are and pray those up to him, right? Just a thought to keep in mind. The problem is, for the vast majority of us, we take a look at where Jesus is, and we see where we are, and there's this gap in between, isn't there? There's this enormous chasm between where I am and where Jesus wants to wants me to be, or where I think Jesus actually is. That big gap can be not only challenging, it can be discouraging. 
we all know this. We know that there's this gap. And most of us know that we, we need to make some type of change in our life, whether we do it this time of year or a little bit later or we're actively working on it. We all know that there's some kind of change that we need to make. And usually it turns out like this. There's a couple of things. If you've got one of the little handouts, you may want to take that, grab a pen and fill it out. Um, take this with you so that you can think about it a little bit later. If you need one, there should be one on every other seat. Uh, if not, my buddy Eli over there will, will hook you up. So just raise your hand if you need one or um, go search for one. But, but here's the thing. God wants us to grow to be like him. We know we need to make changes. And typically, those motivations, those reasons for the, the change are very obvious to us. The first one is, is pretty simple. We want to eliminate something negative. You know, this isn't rocket surgery here. And yes, I meant to say rocket surgery, okay? But we, 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 we want to lose weight or, or we want to quit smoking. We want to eliminate something negative in our lives. The, the other motivation for change is that we want to gain something positive. We want to make more money. We want a different type of job, right? We, we know that there are these types of changes, and we typically put resolutions around them, but we want to lose something negative. We want to gain something positive. Sometimes one of the motivators for change is that we just want to embark on an adventure. Now, there are some people in the crowd who are going, hey, 2017 was adventurous enough. I could use a boring year. That would be great. There are others who are just saying, you know what? I'm in a rut, and I need something else. I need something exciting. I want to go on a different kind of, of an adventure. But these are the types of changes that we try to make in order to move this gap that we see, whether it's spiritual or whether it's just in your day-to-day your -day life. We want to move forward. We want to gain some momentum in some ways. Unfortunately, if we're talking about spiritual things, and since this is church, we're going to talk about spiritual things, spiritual transformation doesn't just happen, does it? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just going to treat Jesus like a magic wand. Pling, now you're a disciple. Well, it doesn't work that way. In fact, I find myself sometimes having to learn the same lesson over and over and over, and I keep saying, didn't I learn this one? And God's like, no, apparently not. Have you felt that way? I'm sure. Everybody kind of has. It doesn't just happen. And, and the worst part is you, you can't earn it either. It's something that God does in us. And while it doesn't just magically happen, it also requires something from us. What is that? What is that thing that it requires? Back in November, we started um, talking about spiritual practices. And, and we're um, picking that idea up again in this new series called How Do You Get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. See what we did there? Did you see that? Kind of went back to what we did in November, talking about practice. It takes practice to do this. We want people at Thrive Church to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. And we talked about this back in November. 
is that Jesus came. He says, I came to, to bring them life and, and to give it to them in the full or abundantly. And what we learned is that Greek term means superabundance, beyond imagination. It means a whole lot of it, that kind of life. And that's what I hope for you. I hope for all of us that we would experience that kind of abundant life that Jesus promises us. And that only comes from the inner transformation um, that goes on in our lives as we become more like Jesus. And so what happens is when we do these things called spiritual practices, it puts us in proximity to God. It, it gets us into a position where God can actually do the work that only he can do. I'm not earning it. It's not magic, but I'm placing myself in a posture, in a position to receive the things that God wants to do in my own life. And what he wants to do in my life is very different than what he wants to do in your life. It's, this is custom. This is bespoke. This is couture. Right? This is something that only God does for each individual person, and it looks different. And today, I want to I talk about the practice of clarity, because I think that is a, a practice, is to have a certain amount of clarity in what you're doing. Um, some of you know that I, I have a, a business practice on the side where I, I talk with companies, and I do some consulting work with them, and I think the biggest thing I do is help them get clear about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, I just got hired by another church uh, to do some consulting work as they're looking for a new pastor. And my number one task is to help them gain some clarity. But what happens to organizations also happens to individuals is to, getting, is to, to get us to a point where we're clear about what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we hope for, and what we hope God is going to do in our lives. Does that make sense? So we're going to talk about practice of clarity today. Now, fortunately, we get some help from a man named Paul. He wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, wrote a series of letters, and, and here's one of the letters I want, I want you to read with me. This is in, in Philippians chapter 3. He writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Well, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, he says, I want to get close to Christ. I want to get close to Jesus. I want to understand what he wants and who he is and the things that he does. I want to know him. Even if it includes some, some things that don't sound like a whole lot of fun. His sufferings. To experience him fully. And then he, he continues to write, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. There's still more to do, is what he's saying. But notice this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, in Christ Jesus. And I want you to notice what he says here. He emphasizes this idea, but one thing I do. Not three things, not 15 things, not a laundry list of things, one thing. One thing I do. That's clarity. Does that make sense? One thing. 
I do. It's pursuing Jesus with single-minded purpose and focus. I think too often we have too many choices. Years ago, I worked for um, a clothing company. I was in college, and uh, there was a, a clothing store that was owned by a local guy in, the, in a mall. It's called A.R. Danes. D-A-A-N-E-S. Danes. It was a Dutch name. That's why there's too many vowels in it. A.R. <laughs> Danes. Clothiers. I and mean, we sold uh, polo by Ralph Lauren and Nautica and all the, the, the high, um, high-end stuff. And <clears throat> one day, Mr. Danes walked in, and myself and another guy, and he says, Boys, he always called us boys, Boys, we need to increase our sales of ties. Now, we had this large round table of ties, and it was um, organized in a kind of a round pattern, obviously, by color. And there was probably three, 400 ties. And he says, look, nobody's going to make a decision because there's too many ties on the table. So here's what you do. If you take the shirt that they're going to buy, and you walk over to the tie table, and you pick out three ties. And you put it up, and you allow the customer to pick. Now, you have to understand, these ties are about 60 bucks a pop. And doggone it if it didn't work. You would take two or three, you know, you'd take a red tie, a yellow tie, and a blue tie with a blue shirt, and you'd bring it up to the counter, and you'd let them pick it out, and doggone it, they, they bought an extra tie. Almost always. Because we limited the number of choices. There's a great book, it's called The Paradox of Choice, I highly recommend it, but it gets to this idea that sometimes too many choices frees us from actually making a decision. So that's why Paul says one thing I do. One thing, just one. If you've ever been to the, uh, the restaurant Chipotle, incredibly simple menu, incredibly simple. You only have a few choices. You can have tacos, you can have quesadillas, you can have burritos. Or you can have the burrito bowl if you don't want the extra carbs. And then you got steak, and you got pork, and you got chicken, and you got tofurkey, or tofu, or whatever it is. <laughs> and so you've got just a few choices. And if you notice, the seating is very Spartan. Their, their goal is not to have you sit there and linger. They want you to eat and go because they want the table for somebody else. Now, it's cool, and it's, it's industrial, and it's stainless steel, and it's a lot of fun to go in there, and the food is very, very tasty. But they limit the number of choices in order to increase efficiency and effectiveness. Does that make sense? Not 15 things, just three or four things. Paul even gets us down further. One thing, that's clarity. That's what we're after, is this idea of clarity. Focus can be extremely powerful, but focus only happens when we get very, very clear. And so today, because it's New Year's Eve, it's an opportunity for us to gain some clarity of focus in our pursuit of Jesus. Clarity of focus in our pursuit of Jesus. If God wants you to grow, and I think that he does, then maybe it's a good idea to check in with him on how we're going to do that. Just a thought that if he wants us to, he might have a direction for us to go. And so I'm going to give you an, a, a way of doing it. Now, there's lots of ways to do it. I'm offering one way. If you can find another one, that's great. You can do this too. But if you don't have one, here's a great one. By the way, I preach this once a year, every single year, because I think it's that important. 
And so on the flip side of your uh, handout there um, is the step-by-step -step process. I'm going to walk through it, and if you have any questions, we can talk about, talk about it afterwards, after service. I'd be happy to discuss it with you, but this is something I learned probably 20 years ago from a pastor up in Michigan, and uh, I've done this off and on every single year for, you know, since then, and I find it pretty effective. And so let me just kind of walk it with Walk, uh, walk through it with you so you can see. So here's step number one. Step number one is to select a theme. Select a theme. Now, I have a list of potential themes for you at the bottom of the page. It is not an exhaustive list. It is just a list to prompt you, okay? What I suggest is to select a theme. You pray first. Just ask God, very simply, God, what do you want me to work on this year? God, what is it that you want to teach me? What's the theme of my year? We're trying to select a theme. Remember, one thing. One thing. God, what's the one thing? What is it? So pray about that. Review that list. Just read through every single word. And, and here's a piece of advice. Don't just skim over it. Read the words. I think that's a really important piece of it. Just read the words. And in my experience, something is going to pop out at you. One of those words will just jump off the page. Almost always. It's as if the Holy Spirit is highlighting it for you. Now, some of you already know what it is. Some of you, you don't even need to read through the list. You know what your theme is going to be for next year. Right? <clears throat> but... For those of you who have never done this before, one of those words is probably going to pop off the page. But here's the thing. I remember the first time I did this. I read through the list, and I thought, i got to work on all of those. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Okay. When God points these things out, he will always highlight one, maybe two, and on rare occasion, three. If you think that you have to work on all of those things, you're probably right. You do. But that's not what the Holy Spirit is highlighting for you because there's no way you can deal with all of those at the same time. One thing, not 50 things. One thing. You can't handle change in all of those areas. So God's going to pull out those one, two, on rare occasion, three things that he wants for your theme for the year. If you get more than three, that is not from God. I'm going to tell you that right now. That is not God speaking to you. That's something else entirely. One, two, on rare cases, three. Spirit's going to pop one out for you. And it almost always happens that way. Almost always happens that way. Now, sometimes it doesn't pop. That's okay. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But keep that in mind that it's only one, two, maybe three things. Oh, and by the way, it might not just be a word. It might be a phrase. Um, this year, I have a phrase. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had a phrase. I've only had words in the past. This year happens to be a phrase for me. It's one of those things that I, I'm, I'm trying to work through and to see what it is that God wants me to, to do with that particular phrase. So 
use the word as a jumping off point. And here's the other thing that I would suggest you do is, first of all, take the word, write it down somewhere. Whether it's on a sticky note, um, whether it's uh, in a journal, if you do journaling, that's always helpful to do. Uh, the other thing I like to do is to take my word and with a dry erase marker and put it on my bathroom mirror. So when I get out of the shower and everything's all steamy, there's that word. Boom. It's right there. Really hard to brush your teeth sometimes, you know, when you're trying to go around whatever the word is, but, but that's a great way to do it. Keep it in front of you. Put it on your dashboard in your car. Put it on your computer at work. Somewhere where you can write it down and keep that word or phrase in front of you. This is your theme. This is the one thing that you're after. Anything that will remind you of that is going to be important. Okay? So write it down. Keep praying about it. When you see it, say, God, I don't know what it is that you want to do in this area, but here, here, here's the word, and, and I'm open to what you want to teach me. Keep doing that. The other thing is to define it. Define what that word means. Go open up a dictionary. You've got a cell phone that has a dictionary app on it. I'm sure that you do. If not, you've got the web. Define the word. Go to thesaurus and try to find other words that mean something Similar, we call that a semantic field, just so that you get an idea of what is behind this word or phrase, because that might give you insight into the heart of God for your life. Does that make sense? Define it. Find other words. Get a sense of what it is that God is, God is after for you. Then, then the next thing is you're selecting your theme, go look it up in the Bible. <gasps> the Bible? Yes, go look it up in the Bible. What does the scripture say about that particular word or phrase? Again, that's going to give you insight into the heart of God for your life and that theme that year. So go to the scripture. Write those things out. Uh, if you don't know how to do that, come see me. I will hook you up with a great Bible app that will help you do that and make it really easy. And the other thing that I would suggest when you're selecting your theme, chat with some other people around you and just ask them, what does this word mean to you? What, what, what might that mean? Why do you think God would have highlighted that word for me? You know, find somebody who knows you fairly well and, and can speak into that. Now, you might be in trouble if you say the word and they're like, oh yeah, you really need that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just saying, you might want to pray about that one a little bit more. So, but the point is, is that the more you explore that word or that phrase or those couple of words, the, the more insight you're going to have into the things that God may want to do in your life for the next year. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of exciting. I, I, I want to know that I'm on the path with God doing something, putting myself in that proximity to him so he can do the work that he wants to do, okay? So that's the first one. Here's the second one. Build routines. Build routines. Um, this one was missing for me for a long time because I just would lose track of the word. You know, it'd get to be about, you know, May, and I'm like, hey, what was my word again? And that's why I suggest, you know, write, write it in your notes, put it on your mirror, whatever it takes for you to keep it in front of you. Um, and, and I would really suggest, if you don't journal, to maybe start journaling and just see where it is that God is taking you as you write things down. Um, now, not everybody likes to do that. That's okay. I have to get it out of my head sometimes and then return to it. Uh, in fact, um, I've got, I don't know, several years worth of journals, and I will occasionally go back through and reread it 
and just kind of reflect on you know, where I've been, and very often I come across that word or phrase, and very often I realize, hey, I'm still working on some of that stuff, but I can see the progress that I've made, and that's encouraging. Does that make sense? You can see where God is actually working in your life. I think half the time in our discipleship, the place where we fail the most often is when, very simply, we have no way of tracking where God is working. Because we don't write it down, we don't reflect on it, we don't think about it. It's why when you're, when you're praying for someone, you might want to write it down, and then you can go back and check with them on it. It's just a possibility, something to think about. So build some routines into your life. Build some routines into returning to this word, this phrase, so you can see what God is actually doing. Here's a third, third step. Form a team. Select a theme, build your teams, form a team. Now, here's the thing. When I talk to others about this who have done this in the past, this is the one place I think where we as human beings, we as Americans, typically drop the ball. And so let me, let me just talk about this. <clears throat> Don't grow alone. Because God didn't ask you to do that. Yes, it's your journey. Yes, it's custom to you. But don't try to do it by yourself. God didn't ask you to do that. So you want to have a team of people who are around you. So here's a couple of suggestions. Find some people who exhibit the quality that you're after. You have this word that jumps out. And you, you say, oh, that, that reminds me of so-and-so. Here's an idea. Go talk to them. Find out what it is about them. I have a mental dictionary. In my mental dictionary, there are certain people, their picture appears next to that word. I have my friend, her name is Lydia, and Lydia appears next to the word sunshine because she's like sunshine personified. I've never seen her without a smile on her face. It's awesome and also maddening. Because there are sometimes in the morning where I have not had my coffee yet, and there she is, Lydia Sunshine. I'm like, mm, you know, kind of a thing. But if sunshine is the word, or if this idea of happiness is a word, I would say you need to go talk to Lydia, right? Because you have certain people that you know that you associate with a certain quality. Go talk to them if that's the word that God is highlighting for you. Learn from their experience their success in that area will leave clues for you to follow. Does that make sense? So whoever that person is, whatever that quality is, go talk to them. Find some people who will encourage you. Stay away from people who are going to tear you down. But find some people who will encourage you in your, in your journey. Find some people who will check in with you on it. You know, so that the, everyone kind of knows that person. Hey, you know, you told me a couple months ago that you were working on this, this one thing. How's it going? That's so encouraging when, when somebody remembers what it is that you're up to or what God is doing in your life. It's huge. Oh, yeah, you know what? I kind of dropped the ball, kind of fell off the wagon. That's okay. The wagon's moving slow. Get back on, okay? It's, it's fine. You can hop back on to that wagon. And so somebody checking in with you will, will, will help you do that. And finally, find somebody who will pray for you. Now, I want to be very careful about this 
because there are two types of people who can pray for you, okay? There are some people who are gifted at praying for you long-term. Um, some of you know that my wife and I, we have a friend, her name is Heather, and Heather lives up in Wisconsin, and whenever we got something going on, we call Heather because she will pray for us until we tell her to stop. She is just wired that way. God bless her. We have benefited from her prayers for several years. She is this kind of person who can just pray and be so into it, and I, I just, I don't know how you do that. I don't, I don't pray that way, but that's the way she's wired. That's the way she's gifted, and we benefit from it. So if you have a person like Heather in your life, God bless you. You're, you're in good shape, but you want to find that person if you can. But the other, other side to this, and this is where I think that we as American Christians kind of miss the boat sometimes. Go to a person that you know. They may or may not exhibit this quality, but they may be you know, interested in you and your discipleship and just say, hey, I've got this theme. Would you mind praying for me just once this week about it? Give them a timeline and just say, I just would really appreciate once this week if you wouldn't mind praying for me about this. Because that does a couple of things. First of all, it gives them something specific to do. And secondly, it doesn't leave them on the hook for a long period of time. Because how many times have people said, well, would you pray for me? And then you forget to do it. Come on, be honest, you're in church. It happens. But if you say, hey, you know, could you just do this one time for me, you know, this week? Oh, yeah, I can do that. And very often they will. Sometimes they'll do it right there on the spot, which is what you kind of want in the first place, right? Just ask them to pray for you just one time. So it's not a long-term thing, it's a short-term thing. And then go back to them in a month. Hey, by the way, I really appreciated that prayer. Would you mind doing it one, one more time this week for me? I, I, that, would, that would be helpful to me. Do, do you see that? Okay, because I think what happens is, is that um, especially when we talk about spiritual things, um, we want to make sure that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And of course, we want to make sure that the lead in the, under the tunnel is not an oncoming train too, of course. But the point is that we want to give people a timeline so that they can engage with you, can help you, and feel like they're actually helping. And so that's a great way to do it. So long-term prayer or somebody just to do it one time. And here's the final, final step. Watch the time. Watch the time. So you're going to select a theme. You're going to build some routines, you're going to form a team, but you're also going to watch the time. And here's what I want to say about that. First of all, <clears throat> you may have um, to watch the time in selecting your theme. Because sometimes, for whatever reason, that word does not jump off the page. And there might be reasons for it you may not be mentally prepared for what it is that God wants to work on in your life, and you may have to marinate on this for a while. You may have to pray about it a little bit more. Keep reading that list just as a place to, to jump off. Or maybe you hear somebody say something, or you catch a phrase. It could even be on a billboard for crying out loud. It could be on Pinterest, right? You come across them, oh, Pay attention to those things, but it may not be immediate. It may take some time for you to figure out what that word or phrase is. 
And then you go through that process of exploring so that you really get a good understanding of what God has in mind for you for that year. So, um, and by the way, you kind of have to be connected to God in order to figure that out. I don't know what that means for you. Maybe it's prayer, maybe it's reading a Bible, I'm not sure. But don't expect these things to just automatically happen if you're disconnected from God. Now, he may do something, but you're going to help yourself by staying connected uh, to him through the process. So watch the time in selecting, but here's the other thing. Watch the time in growth. Some themes only last for a couple of months, and God does whatever he's going to do and moves on. For me, whenever that's happened, as I see one beginning to, to, to wane, another one is rising up. So one will overlap the other, and very often they're, they're related. Um, a few years ago, um, my theme for the year was healing. I just needed to heal some stuff in my own life. And then out of that came discipline. I couldn't be disciplined until I got healed. Does that make sense? They were connected to one another. I had healing for a couple of years. And then when it waned, it waned, and something else took its place. So you have to pay attention to the amount of time. Some themes are going to last a year or longer. Some themes are going to last a few weeks, a few months. And when you feel like you're done with that theme, ask God for a new one. It's that simple. And that hard at the same time, right? So, select a theme. Build some routines around it. Form a team to help you through it. And watch the time it takes to grow and to learn on through all of this. Now, let me just offer two last thoughts just to wrap this thing up. Here's the first one. Maybe you've been in a position where you have tried something like this in the past. And maybe it didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. Or maybe you fell off the wagon and you're a little embarrassed by it. Maybe you're discouraged and you think, why bother? Why go through this? Let me, let me just simply encourage you to try again. Commit and connect. Commit to going through the process and trust God. Trust God that he's actually going to speak to you through the process and connect with him regularly. It's very difficult to do this without interaction. By the way, discipleship, if nobody told you, is a contact sport. You have to stay in contact with God and with other people, okay? So, commit and connect. And here's the second thing. It would be very easy for every person here to nod and go, yeah, it's a great idea, and then completely dismiss it. It's easy to do. I know there's been a couple years where I've done that. It might seem like a lot of work. It might even seem silly to you. But my question that I started with still stands. How are you going to be different next year at this time? And are you willing to leave that to chance? I'm just asking the question. You may dismiss it. That's fine. You, maybe you don't like this one because it seems a little too bippity-boppity-boo for you. Okay. This is only one way to do it. My point is, do something. 
don't just leave it to chance. Don't hope that it's going to be a magic wand. Actually engage in some type of process so that you can grow. Why? Because God wants you to. God wants you to grow to be like Jesus. And for us to abandon that, that project is to, to literally walk away from God. I don't think you want to do that. So let's engage with him intentionally, purposefully. If not this, then find something else. If you need some ideas, come talk to me. You can talk to Pastor Dan, Pastor James, you can talk to any one of us. We'd be delighted to walk with you as much or as little as you want, as you would like in, in that journey. So it's 2018 tomorrow. How are you going to be different? How are you going to be different next year at this time?